Welcome to Asia New Horizons, where law enforcement practitioners and academics get together to share knowledge and ideas to shape the future of crime analysis. My name is Jeff Wires. I'm an intelligence research analyst at iBravo and one of the uh, people that started up the uh, company in Waterloo, Ontario, Canada. Um, we've been doing work in the area of open source intelligence uh, for uh, about the last seven years um, and more so in the from about 2014 forward we started to get uh, a good amount of attention based on some of the OSINT research that we've been doing and as a result of that also some of the analysis of that OSINT work that we've been doing. And Jeff your past what you've achieved in the past beyond policing and your everyday role I'd like you to touch on that please. Um, sure. So it's one of those things, that I guess, you, you don't always know where, where things are going to go, right? You, um, in, in my case, I started to do uh, my PhD research in the area of uh, open source intelligence and how that could be leveraged um, in the area of uh, extremism and uh, prevention of extremism. Uh, so originally, a lot of this came out of uh, my PhD research, which I haven't completed yet. I'll admit that. Um, but uh, it's one of those things that you, you don't always know where things are going to go. So for my PhD, I started to look at uh, how terrorist groups were using um, the internet and social media. And one of the things that we found very quickly is that virtually all terrorist groups were using uh, social media and the internet, and probably to a larger extent, social media, um, because of all the advantages that it has, i.e., the main thing being that it's it's meant to be social, right? It's made, meant to create those connections uh, between individuals and groups and uh, message, messaging and ideology. And, um, and so it made a very good platform for terrorist groups to um, recruit and, and spread propaganda and um, uh, gather um, money and resources and, um, and people. Uh, to come to their cause. And so something that uh, was very much academic driven, um, kind of pushed into the intelligence field just as a natural course. You're being very humble about this. Um, and I know you are because we spoke about this before. You're, you didn't know what was going to happen. No one knew what you was about to achieve and how heavy the findings that you discovered on your own using open source were going to be in terms of impacting um, the intelligence world and how it really did. It rocked the boat, Jeff. Um, let's delve into that. Tell, go back to the beginning. I'm so interested. Back to the beginning. You woke up one day and tell me what happened. Did you have a coffee? Did you, what did you do? <laughs> I'm sitting in my living room and I'm doing my, uh, my research and gathering data and, uh, and it's one of those things where um, we kind of came to recognize very quickly that we were having points in our data set that represented risk, right? So from the standpoint of the university, uh, um, at that time I was uh, doing my PhD with the University of Liverpool, it was a matter of going back to the university and saying, when you start to come across um, individuals in your data set that represent risk 
well, then what do you do, right? From an ethics standpoint, uh, from a, a legal standpoint, from a moral standpoint. Um, and obviously the answer was, is that you can't just uh, have people in your data set and let them carry on uh, to a potential um, negative outcome, right? The worst negative outcome would be them committing a terrorist act or, or even potentially going off to joining um, Al-Qaeda or ISIS in Syria or Iraq. Uh, so the conversation, both with the university and with my advisor, uh, um, turned to the direction of we have to provide this information to the different intelligence agencies. So we were providing intel both to the UK and to Canada and to the US and to a number of different, uh, mostly Western countries, because again, you have a little bit more comfort in what they're going to do with the information as opposed to uh, some other countries that I'm not going to name. Um, so, so we passed along that information and then that garnered us uh, quite a bit of attention. Um, and one, one of the main points of attention was just the fact that we were able to track a number of individuals that were engaged with ISIS during the start of, um, you know, their takeover of Syria and Iraq. Um, and, uh, and basically just looking at how social media was able to provide us with a lot of data on individuals that were interested in or had been um, molded by ISIS, or were in the process of either joining or had joined and traveled to Syria and Iraq. So that was kind of the, the starting point. And, um, and, and then that kind of led to an invitation. So uh, perhaps one of the, the great things that has come out of this area of intelligence is the recognition is that um, some of the, the major agencies that we would associate with intelligence. So whether you're looking at the, the Pentagon or whether you're looking at the CIA or um, CSIS here in Canada, um, there's this recognition that maybe they can't do it all. And uh, perhaps the best example with the Pentagon is they, they recognized that very early on and they needed to um, bring in people to help them examine the issue, right? Why did ISIS grow to the extent that it did? How did it catch uh, the U.S. government off guard and other Western nations off guard to the extent that it did. Why were so many foreign fighters going over to join uh, ISIS and Al-Qaeda? Um, and so they started to bring in experts from around the world. And I was one of those uh, individuals that was brought in to provide my input on ISIS's social media strategy and how they were able to recruit. Um, and it kind of just blossomed from there. Jeff, how did you feel when you when you made that? I can own. I can't even imagine that feeling. Um, when I mean, we, this stuff's all over the news. Um, you know, you, we, there's loss of life all the time um, by this this group of of terrorists. How did you feel when you identified that risk? You found the base as to which they were operating in. What was that like for you? Um, it, it it shows the true power open source intelligence, right? That uh, a small firm um, uh, thousands of kilometers away can examine uh, a group and that group's activities. This whole idea of risk monitoring. So in uh, 2014, we were brought on by the uh, EU, the UK and the US um, with the Ajax program. So the, 
access to justice and community safety program in Syria. So they were uh, funding um, uh, rebel groups in Syria. They were funding a um, a independent police service in Syria, and they had a lot of assets and training going into Syria. And, and basically what they were trying to do is monitor, you know, um, the movement of ISIS, the movement of Al-Qaeda, the potential risk to their assets and their people in Syria um, as the war was moving on. And, and so this was another good example of how using open source intelligence, we were able to essentially track and monitor the war and monitor the movements of different groups. We were able to establish um, uh, reliable sources of information in Syria from all the way over here in Ontario, Canada, um, and provide input that was uh, valuable to all the different agencies that, that were operating in Syria and Iraq at the time. Yeah. I think one of the greatest benefits of, of the growth of private firms doing intelligence work, so uh, whether you're looking at iBravo or whether you're looking at Bellingcat in your own country, that is a, a very well-renowned um, company that does open source intelligence work, um, is that you have players that are, are looking at how the field can grow, right? So, so in the traditional kind of history of intelligence, intelligence was the, the sole proprietorship or the sole uh, purpose of a very limited number of government agencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they would engage in their uh, secret collection of, of information um, and, uh, and examine threats and examine risks and, and, and determine how they were going to engage uh, with those risks. What you have now is uh, a number of private uh, intelligence agencies that are able to do things that previously were only the purview of, of these government agencies. So uh, things like the collection of open source intelligence on social media and on the internet now can be done by virtually anyone. Anybody with an internet connection and a computer and and I would say a, a degree of, of skill in the area of open source intelligence or, or how to analyze the, the data that they're collecting can conduct this um, type of work now. Um, and not only that, but what you've seen over the last, um, well, really over the last 20 years, is that with all these different social media platforms, there's this, then also tools that can be used to analyze information on these platforms. And what you, or at least what we've come to recognize, is that it's not just about the open source intelligence gathering and the the data collection. It's about looking at how you can use those tools to create different exploits, um, to analyze data, to collect data, uh, all of it, right? So that's perhaps one uh, area where iBravo is a little bit different uh, from even the government agencies is, uh, I don't know to what extent they're, they're keeping up or, or uh, engaged in the, the research end of, of examining open source intelligence. In, in our case, we very much look at different tools on a daily basis almost 
-hmm. and how we can uh, use that for our intelligence research. So whether that's uh, um, uh, tools like um, uh, Remini, you know, where you can take a blurry image and now, you know, if you've got a homicide suspect or if you've got a victim image that you want to put out to the public, you can uh, process it through a Remini app and it'll essentially clean up the, the image for you uh, to then go and publish it, right? So that's a very simple idea of an application, but there are so many different um, ways that, that these different tools can be applied. And the tools that you used when identifying these uh, these actors uh, within terrorism involved in ISIS, were they simple tools? Are they tools that you see within law enforcement? Um, you're starting to see them in law enforcement now, and that's because uh, law enforcement uh, has put a stronger emphasis on the need for training uh, individuals within their service to be able to have these skills and use these skills, right? Uh, you didn't see that, say, for example, 2014. So a, a lot of the um, communication and a lot of the things that were being posted on social media in, in, in around 2013, 2014, when people were starting to be drawn over to fight with groups like ISIS or Al-Qaeda in Syria, um, the, the issues that were quickly becoming apparent within law enforcement is that they didn't have both um, the tools for the collection of that information and they didn't have the skill set to um, to look at what was going on on social media yeah. right so that left them in a position where uh, companies like Bellingcat companies like ourselves were gathering intelligence that they had no clue about right or they would be coming to us to ask for the information. And that's not a fault of theirs because they're trying to play catch up. Yeah. Um, and, and essentially that's where they're at now, right? They've, they've caught up in their skill set and their, their knowledge and, and the tools that they use. Yeah. And the company that you're referring to, Iberabo, um, explain to me and the listeners what this company is, consultancy, and what you can do and what you provide. So it's a consultancy. We've done. Um, we've gone around the world to talk about uh, open source intelligence and and exactly um, how the field is progressing and how the field has changed um, and why it's important for different agencies like NATO, like uh, the Australian Federal Police, like the New Zealand uh, Federal Police, or or even different agencies here in Canada and the US. Um, why that there's such a need for the, the training in the area um, and how their officers can use that training to create uh, value for their service in doing investigations. Ideally, the, the whole purpose behind this is that uh, you can create clearances, right? You can identify who the bad guy, air quotes, is um, uh, and bring, bring them to justice for whatever that may be. It might be a terrorist or it might be a homicide. Um, but there are tools that we can use in either case uh, to assist the investigation, right? Uh, I, I know of cases where uh, persons have admitted to homicides on Facebook, right? Being able to find that information and collect that information in a way that can then be used as evidence yeah. is extremely valuable. But, but not only that, how much time and resources 
do you remove in in finding that admission right of a homicide case solved right there's still legwork to do but but the duration of that homicide has just been greatly reduced by the fact that now you've captured that admission to one of the worst offenses that we can investigate right and this is all through open source all through open source everything's accessible right all the information is out there what's key is to recognize is that um terrorists and 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 criminals and people that are involved in in this underworld aren't different from you and I and how they use the internet, right? So you and I will talk about the birth of our child or getting a new job or going on vacation. Well, extremists and and criminals talk about the same stuff on the internet. They talk about the things that they've done. They talk about, you know, um, the the organizations they've joined, uh, the people that they're fighting with in the case of some of the foreign fighters that were in uh, Syria and Iraq. Um, what atrocities they committed they'll post pictures of themselves right selfies Um, that's kind of the worst case scenario when you're talking about terrorists but you have the same thing happening with criminals right Um, uh, vandalism they'll post their vandalism online with their own selfie or or like I said in the case of a homicide and how how much value is there in having a trained officer or analyst doesn't necessarily have to be a a sworn officer to be able to collect that information yeah I feel like you've been really humble which I uh, admire and I, I I hold you in very high regard in terms of what you've done what you achieved uh, and what you continue to achieve in the future so looking at your website for um Iberabo, you have a blog and I'm looking at one now it's called where the bodies are buried uh, geolocation so you have right. blogs. Um, and Jeff, what, did you write those blogs? Was it someone else? Um, yeah, it was myself and uh, one of the other analysts at iBravo, Dr. Cami Condon. So she's the program coordinator. Pro, sorry. She's the program coordinator of the uh, crime and intelligence analysis program at Seneca College. Um, uh, and basically, in the case of the, <laughs> where the, you know, where the bodies are, are buried, the uh, article that that we wrote about. Uh, We were approached by one of the national news agencies here in Canada, uh, Global News, um, with one of the videos that had, uh, one of the first videos that ISIS had put out. Um, And the reason that they wanted us to examine the video is because they believed that uh, one of the executioners that was in the video or featured in the video was Canadian. So, uh, in essence, what they wanted us to do was find the crime scene based on the video. And so we took that video and uh, we looked at it frame by frame. We used, used different uh, techniques to, to break down the images frame by frame. One of the nice things about ISIS is they took a very high quality video, usually in, um, in uh, multiple different uh, angles. Uh, so essentially... What it allows you to do as an investigator or even as a open source intelligence uh, analyst is take all that data that's freely available on the internet. We don't have to, we don't, we don't have to break into ISIS's servers. They've pumped it out on, on every social media platform known to man. And now um, just determine whether or not we can um, do that, that investigation using that information. Mm-hmm. And uh so what we were able to do is take all that uh, video that had been 
published by ISIS on the Flames of War video, which is probably one of the most or more famous uh, ISIS videos, infamous ISIS videos, um, and established exactly where that Canadian uh, um, committed those atrocities uh, by killing uh, other Syrian soldiers, right? So they basically had them digging their own grave um, and they're filming the whole time and they're pumping out ISIS propaganda and then at the end of the video, they execute all the Syrian soldiers. So, I mean, the allegation is is that the the Canadian that's featured in that video um, um, was involved in that uh, atrocity. And so now being able to determine, this is one of the things you're always looking at in a homicide, right? Uh, who did it? When did it happen? Where did it happen? Well, now we can establish the where. And then it's on the investigators to take it that additional step, right? That that may not necessarily be Canadian investigators, but it uh, could be us uh, engaging with uh, allied partners in Syria to go and exhume that site and verify um, what we were able to verify using open source intelligence. Mm -hmm. So we were... 100% that we identified where the mass murder of those Syrian soldiers took place just using open source intelligence. Mm -hmm. So your company, uh, you have analysis uh, over open source, risk monitoring and training. I wanted to ask you, Jeff, what skills you need to be successful at this and what skills you use when conducting such research. But I don't know. I'm going to leave it down to you. Do you want to let the listeners know and ask these questions, or do you want them to come back onto the the web page and contact you? And you know what, you, you you have to have an extraordinarily uh, inquisitive mind. Um, you have to have kind of uh, a knowledge or an interest in examining these social media platforms beyond their surface. So, I would say virtually every 14 to 20 year old would say that they're an expert on Instagram or Facebook or um, Snapchat or any one of these different platforms. But the reality is, is that if I was to bring them in a room and ask them how they would apply their knowledge of those platforms to an investigation, their knowledge in that area would be very limited, right? They wouldn't necessarily know how to extract um, the URL for the, for the profile or how to, um, um, pull out all the different photos associated with uh, a page or all the text or geolocate uh, the images that are in there or, or look at the metadata behind some of the information that, that these social media platforms provide. So that's perhaps where it's different, right? Everybody uses social media for the most part, with rare exception. Um, the ability to uh, go that that deeper level to do both data extraction and analysis is is a, it's the bread and butter of open source intelligence, right? This is this is what differs somebody's familiarization with um, social media to somebody that's an investigator in social media. And I, I think that's that's where we've really taken it that additional step is every day when we're looking at a tool or an app or uh, an exploit um, with these social media platforms, we see it as how can we further the field of open source intelligence um, using those different tools. Yeah, and we're um, 
I think this this whole intelligence community is very lucky to have individuals like yourself that are pushing that are asking these questions um and you know I think that's, I think you touched on it you know you ask these questions and you yeah I think it's important well and I think this is where to um we begin to challenge the traditional uh, concepts of of the government intelligence structures right because to what extent are they doing research in open source intelligence? It's one thing to, to train up your officers and say, oh, we're going to train four officers in the area of open source intelligence so they can assist in investigations. That's fine. It's needed. Absolutely, it's needed. But social media and open source intelligence and SOCMIT, um, uh, which is uh, social, social media uh, intelligence, it continually evolves. So you have to uh, be continually evolving with it and looking at different ways that you can um, extract information out of these different platforms, right? Yeah. Uh, and in a way, too, that you're going to be able to take to court and present uh, for potential evidence on whatever that case may be. It might be the homicide, like we talked about earlier. It might be the the extremists now that's gone over to join ISIS and is now sitting um, in in a jail in northern Syria, but has the potential to come back to England or Australia or or even Canada. Yeah. Um, and and that's you know one of the areas too where we've um, garnered a little bit of attention. Probably one of our biggest stories was examining the uh, Kiwi jihadi Mark Taylor. Um, who they also the, the press uh, nicknamed the bumbling jihadi because he was traveling all over Syria with ISIS, but he had left his geotagging one. So in that instance, we had just finished going to a conference on um, on different social media uh, techniques, and when we came back from the conference, we started applying those techniques and and found basically that we could track a number of different uh, ISIS fighters throughout Syria and Iraq, just based on their geotag being left on, right? It, it's silly on their part, but again, it's uh, something that has to be taken advantage of at the time. And we were able to identify a number of uh, Western fighters just using that technique alone. Mm, yeah. So in that example right there, if they decide to come back to Australia, or New Zealand, or Canada, or Britain, we have that evidence now that we can put before the court. Um, and it's not to say that it won't be challenged, but it's, it's an additional piece of the puzzle that we can say, this is where this person was, this is who they were fighting with. Uh, if we're lucky enough, and in several cases we were, they would also post selfies of themselves in the same area as the geotagging was taking place, right? So that's it's, it's just additive in, in that uh, sense. Yeah. Um, so they're syncing themselves and we want them to sync themselves because uh, uh, that's how we, we get to the successful prosecutions. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be one of the biggest challenges with a lot of the foreign fighters coming back is where is the evidence? Um, and in, a, uh, in many situations, they were posting a ton of information on social media. It's just whether the intelligence agencies and the law enforcement agencies captured that. If they didn't and Facebook or Twitter or, or whatever different platform has already deleted it, then if it's gone, it's gone, right? Yeah. 
in yeah. some circumstances, um, private agencies like Bellingcat or like our, ourselves might have uh, and and do have um, information collected on specific individuals. So there's still the ability to use that now from an evidentiary standpoint, even though the traditional government uh, intelligence or law enforcement agencies um, didn't collect. Mm-hmm. And I just want to, for the purpose of the listeners, when you say, Jeff, when you say we, it's you and your team that's doing this. I want to remove, I personally want to remove the, um, where you are based now, your current role and remove right. that to what you're doing because I, I the, this is the stuff you are uh, you're producing is insane, and I just want to listen to know that everything you're talking about is what you and your team have done, not the force, not who you're with. It's you and your no. team. Um, right. It, it, it's it's truly an example of how a well trained, well educated um, person in the field can have a true impact. And Bell and Cat, I, I keep saying their name because uh, I'm. I have great admiration from the, for the work that they do. And perhaps it was even an influence on us and, and our interest in going into this area and, and focusing on that research element. Bellingcat is very much one also uh, to focus on, on those. Uh, uh, how do you make it better? How do you keep improving? Right? We can't just stay stagnant. Social media won't allow us to. Uh, and if we stay stagnant and if we stop learning and stop uh, trying to advance the field, then we're going to get behind very, very quickly. The ones that aren't going to get behind are the, um, the terrorists, yeah. right? The fraudsters, um, they keep upping their skills. So we have to do the same. Constantly involving, constantly. Okay, so right. Jeff, my last question to you. Where do you see Ibarabo in five years time? Uh, to a certain extent, it, it's already happening now, I guess. It, um, so I've been asked to come in as an expert uh, with Conestoga College to help them develop their um, Bachelor of uh, Risk, Threat, and Crime Analysis. So this will be the, only the second uh, degree granting uh, program in Canada um, in the area of intelligence analysis, uh, open source intelligence. Um, and, and so that's that's really where I see the focus being. We're going to continue to do research I, because I love the field and I, I love being able to, to look at how we can create new and interesting ways of examining open source intelligence. But at some point that research has to be passed along. And that's where I see the academic institutions to be that best venue for it. We, we can't necessarily rely on, on the government agencies to give that skill set back, right? What they're doing now is they're recruiting out of these degree programs um, because they recognize that the degree programs are bringing in the best of the best experts in different areas like uh, open source intelligence, like uh, network analysis, like uh, threat uh, um, assessment, you name it, right? Geographic profiling, uh, spatial analysis, and they're training these students in these different fields, hopefully, hopefully to the standard of the, the most uh, advanced um, information that we have on the field at the time. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I really see Ibravo's uh, continued movement is in the area of uh, teaching and, and consulting with uh, different government agencies that want to continue to up their skills. And potentially see you on the news a little bit more. <laughs> uh, 
we've got a few things under our hat. This is one of the things uh, that's kind of, um, it's been a challenge for us because when you are a private intelligence firm, the intelligence is your own. So sometimes you release stuff out into the public that I'm sure garners the ire of, of the government agencies that don't necessarily want that information getting out. But at the end of the day, this is open source material. Anybody could log on and see the exact same thing. All we're doing is just publishing on it. And, and usually when we come across something that has a risk element uh, to Canada or to the US or to Britain, that information is being passed along to uh, law enforcement and intelligence agencies long before we've ever published about it. So basically we give them a, a heads up and uh, a head start in, in whatever they want to do with it, right? Do they want to act on it? Do they want to do arrests? Do they want to collect uh, uh, more data uh, themselves? But for us, because it's it's our data, it's no different than the data within my the PhD collection, right? It's yeah. mine to do what I want. If they want to slap uh, some kind of uh, seal of, <laughs> you know, it needs to remain secret. Well, then that's a different conversation yeah. uh, to be having, right? Um, and and don't get me wrong, we have uh, we've collected a lot of things that we've never published openly, just because we know it would have an impact. Um, and because we've already shared that with other agencies that it's still continuing to be acted on. So we're, it's not like we're immoral in what we publish. Um, but at the end of the day, it is our decision on whether we decide to out something and, and write about it or go to the media about it. Um, and usually we do that with the view to, is this an ongoing threat that the public needs about, to know about? Or is it something from a research perspective, a, a trick or a tool um, of the trade that we want to get out there for other people to learn. Right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So like, it, it, and, and uh, the geolocation is a great example. Um, Bellingcat started publishing on different, you know, ways that they were able to geolocate information. We started publishing on it. It's not something that should be held back and, and uh, kept secret by, um, you know, government type agencies. It simply isn't because there's too many uh, applications of it for just general law enforcement, right? Yeah. Uh, you take um, uh, child sex offenders. So you, you have uh, Interpol releasing images and, and crowdsourcing people to try and help identify where these different offenses are taking place. That's a perfect example, right? Mm -hmm. And the crowdsourcing now comes to hopefully getting to some kind of resolution um, rescuing the child, prosecuting the offender. So that's, that's a really good example of, of kind of a tool um, that, that shouldn't be hidden. It shouldn't be kept just to a, a particular agency. Mm -hmm. Agreed. I couldn't agree more with, with, that, right. with, that, um, with that statement. And um, for people that are listening, and I'm sure there's going to be many, um, because you're, you know, Jeff, I, I said it, I was speaking to a colleague today. Um, I feel I'm excited by it because I feel like you're tapping into this secret world of intelligence when actually all it is, is open source information. Um, so it's, and for those that are external that aren't necessarily involved in this community, they're probably going to be like, wow, look at what was achieved. This, you know, you have sat in your house and you're on your laptop, your computer, and this is what you achieved. 
right? right. It's and, and it's one of those things. It, and this is the other the other thing too is it really opens up the the field. Um, you know, it doesn't matter your station in life or or um, or even necessarily how much money you have. It's how much time you want to allocate to learning the field. Yeah. You maybe don't even have a full degree um, or or an education in the, in the the overall field that doesn't mean that you can't do good work right yeah. that doesn't mean you can't learn the skill set um that doesn't mean you can't become an analyst um yeah. there are lots of uh weekend warriors that are out there that are are solving offenses through that crowdsource example that i was telling you about just by analyzing and, and going through reams and, and reams of satellite data Mm-hmm. And in many cases, when we've looked at geolocation, it's been hundreds of hours before we come to that that conclusion, or even to be able to su- successfully say, yes, we have a high degree of confidence that that location is where where something is taking place, right? Yeah. So we apply a lot of the same tools, like uh, when you think about a fingerprint, right, and how many points of comparison you need to verify that an offender is the offender in the, the set of fingerprints that you've captured from a crime scene. The same thing happens in geolocation. It's not just that you find one point of comparison and you say, oh, that's a match. And, and now we've identified where the offender was. No, you're, you're talking about um, looking for uh, 10 or 11 points of comparison so that your confidence level in, in making that assessment is um, extremely high. Or maybe it isn't, in which case you you basically say that in your report i have no no confidence uh, that we have a match at this time mm-hmm. so but when you get those matches i mean that's the most amazing thing ever yeah. I, and and that's that's truly the reward i, I mean it's a lot it's a lot of time invested but when you get those matches for cases like the um the flames of war video or some of the other um western extremists that we've been able to track just simply based on their selfies, that's that's uh, that's one of the, the fun parts of the job. Yeah, and most rewarding. Um, Definitely. Yeah, 100%. Okay, so every, anyone can contact you. Um, Absolutely. You've got your website that we're going to put up at the end of the podcast. There's a um, the conference that you was at, the Republica conference, was it? That people can yeah. listen it's, to It's kind of almost like a, a TED Talk. Uh, it is, yeah. It's a... It's an interesting little chat. I think it's it's kind of funny because uh, the conference itself was very much uh, geared towards privacy. Um, <laughs> when you're talking about social media, I mean the the sheer nature of social media uh, is counter to that, right? It's very much about being open and publishing um, information to your friends, your family, and and sometimes to the world. So that offers advantages to us as investigators. We um, we kind of like people to be the opposite of private because <laughs> it gives us more data. But in the same in the same token, we recognize that um, you know there's still rules in place. It doesn't matter uh, us as a um, as a uh, private intelligence firm. We don't go breaking into people's accounts or yeah. or or hijacking their accounts or anything like that. We are uh, almost entirely passive observers so if your account's open and you're a member of isis and you're um traveling all around syria and iraq then yes we're we're going to be all 
all over that, right? We're going to be on top of that. Uh, but if you've got a private account, there's nothing that we can do to get into your account and, mm-hmm. and, and gather that same kind of information. We simply don't do that. Um, from our own company perspective, because it creates issues for ourselves and it creates issues from law enforcement when we go to pass over that information, right? Mm-hmm. We can't yeah. do anything that law enforcement wouldn't do either. If it re- would require a warrant for them, then it would require um, that same warrant or request for us to do it via law, law enforcement. So. If I was a um, in a position in a force where I had some funding and I was thinking about where I wanted to spend my funding, I would be reaching out to your company to have a uh, to have you as a guest speaker, lecturer to help my force become more like you. Because Jeff, I hold I, I hold you, I, I forever will in in high regards in terms of what you are achieving, what you will continue to achieve. Um, and the impact you really have made on this intelligence in this intelligence world, uh, which you are very humble about. Um, but I, I want to uh, scream it from the rooftops that uh, what you've done is really, well, really impactful. I, I appreciate that. Like I said, it's been a fun ride the last um, seven years. And uh, I really like the fact that we're able to pass on some of that knowledge now um, yeah. in the academic setting. And we're always open to conversations with other organizations if they want to do the same thing. There we go. Well, you've heard Jeff say it. He's willing to talk to anyone, well, to a certain extent, uh, <laughs> um, about this. Yeah. This what you're, you're conduct. You're like Paige, not everyone. <laughs> going to need time to myself. Um, Jeff, I'm going to put uh, your bio on the website. I'm going to put your uh, your your eyebrow um, um, link on the website. Your conference link on the website. I'm going to put everything out there for our listeners to to have a have a look at and listen to. Um, but thank you very much for joining me. And uh, thank you for having me. I think your podcast is obviously very valuable. These conversations need to take place. Um, and they need to, really, they needed to take place, you know, years ago. Um, so it's a good thing that it's, uh, it's happening now. And, and uh, I've heard some of your other podcasts, and they're very interesting and informative. Thank you very much.